The following interview and music performance contains subject matter related to suicide and mental health issues in the LGBTQ community. If you or someone you know is suffering, you are not alone. There are resources available like The Trevor Project. Learn more at their website or by calling 1-866-488-7386. Hello, everyone. My name is Shane German, the music director at WYCE 88.1 FM in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Today, we're thrilled to welcome into our virtual studio, Stephanie Lambring. Indiana-raised and Nashville-based Stephanie Lambring has been called one of Nashville's most fearless young singer-songwriters. On her new album, Autonomy, Stephanie examines deep and often disturbing topics such as sexism and bigotry, familial issues, body image, abuse, the impact of dementia on families, suicide within the LGBT community, and evangelical Christianity in the current iteration of America. Each song is a gut punch of brutal honesty covering a wide range of relevant social issues delivered with exquisite songwriting and production. Within its 10 tracks, Stephanie Lambring asks listeners to take a moment and think about what makes them and everyone who surrounds them so human. Please welcome to WYCE, Stephanie Lambring. Did he say? 
You know you can't stay, but you don't have the strength. And yesterday was a good day. Is it you or is it him? You can't see where you begin. Somebody tangled up the blame. Mr. Wonderful by Stephanie Lambring from the new album, Autonomy. Stephanie, welcome to WYCE. Thank you, Shane. I'm glad to be talking with you today. Oh, we are just thrilled that you're here. The new album uh, came in uh, near the end of last year, and it just got lost in my year-end mail and all of that. But I finally found it, put it in, and I was absolutely blown away by what I was hearing. Oh, thank you. It's just a gorgeous record. Now, autonomy, self-directing freedom, especially moral independence. You're originally from Indiana. What part of Indiana are you from? I'm from around Seymour, Indiana. It's about an hour north of Louisville, an hour south of Indianapolis. Okay. Um, You kind of moved to Nashville as a young songwriter, but after about five years on Music Row, you decided to walk away from it. Why? Well, whenever I signed with both of my publishing companies, you know, they, they sign you because of how you write for yourself. And the longer I was at each deal, I, I kind of stepped away. I got further and further away from writing for myself. The focus shifted to writing for other people. And I think, you know, being put in writing rooms three or four days a week where you're paired with somebody to try to create something, it gets exhausting after a while, especially, you know, I've someone who has written so much by myself, as long as I've been writing songs, it just got exhausting and it kind of felt more machine-like than authentic. And I wasn't turning out, I wasn't turning in very many good songs at the end of either of my deals, really. I, I think I just, my spirit needed a break. I knew I couldn't keep on doing it the way I was doing it. And you ended up going to bartending school and, yes. <laughs> and waiting tables and you crisscrossed the country completely walked away from it. Talk to me about that time away and what it was that brought you back. Yeah. I mean, it was, most of it was really freeing. Um, It felt good to take pressure off of myself to have to be creative for a living. It felt good to just be free of that and, and to like own whatever I, just to know that I would own whatever I created. I would own the publishing of it. Um, you know, it was really cool to actually make money waiting tables. <laughs> I made way more money doing that than with my publishing deals. Um, it, it was fun to travel and just see the world. And, you know, I, I feel like that regenerated me. At the same time, I would kind of go in and out of existential crisis mode because I wasn't writing at all. I hardly went to shows even. It was really hard to 
go support my friends, you know, who would be playing out a ton because it was, it was just painful to see, like, to feel like, oh, I should be doing that too. Um, but I, I needed time to heal. So after about a year of waiting tables, I, um, was challenged by one of the patrons at my restaurant who is a huge songwriter, Tom Douglas, amazing man. He took an interest in my creative journey and he one day asked me, you know, have you been writing? And again, I said no. And he challenged me to write a song in two weeks. And then I went home and, and uh, I wrote Daddy's Disappointment and in about two weeks. And then I sent it to him. And that was kind of what brought me back to, to creating again. You, the way that you write, you kind of hit on... Um almost like where you're coming from or like how you grew up. Um, were you raised in uh, a religious household? Um, and at what point, because you, you talk about relationships with your, with your parents or your father and, um, and daddy's disappointment uh, is a great opener for that. Um, at what point did you feel that you could start opening up about all of the baggage that we kind of carry um, and expectations of our parents. Did you feel that you had failed your father from going to Nashville to be a songwriter and then walking away from it to be a bartender? Were you still carrying that disappointment, uh, that feeling from, from letting your parents down? Oh, yeah. I mean, they were the hardest people to tell that I was going to. I didn't tell them that I was leaving my publishing deal till I told my publishing company. Um, I didn't want to be dissuaded because I knew I needed to get, I needed to step away. But yeah, that was hard, you know, and it, like my parents are my biggest fans. And it, it's just kind of, it's a complex dynamic, really. Like, you know, when someone recognizes a talent in you and then you want, and, and put and they push you to do something um and then but then as a child it got confusing like who am i doing this for and that was that definitely factored into me having to step away because i've been singing since i was 15 and uh yeah that they were the hardest people to tell that i wanted to take a break um and i i mean and i even i remember talking about that in my publishing in the meeting with my publishing company to tell them that I had to, that I had to go. And I was just crying, you know, it was that, that was a huge part of, of the fear, you know, of, of leaving it behind possibly. Well, you went away, but within that time, after writing your daddy's disappointment, uh, there's another great song on there, um, called pretty, uh, which kind of dives into body image issues. And I read that, um, you know, when you, you, you get these insults and they, they sting forever, you know. Um, I feel like because this album covers so many heavy topics that you had all of this stuff to say, you just didn't really have the way to get it out. How did you 
once the ball started rolling and the juices started going and you started getting these songs out, was there ever a time where you were like, this is way too heavy? Or was it almost therapeutic to get these stories out of you? Um, both. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely, I, I think in the moment writing the songs, it, it felt very therapeutic because it was like, I've got to get this out of my, I have to get this in some kind of tangible form, you know, I've got to get these words on paper on, you know, set to music. Like that part was really therapeutic. Then after having the songs written, um, that's when you're, that's when, uh, my brain started going into overdrive and thinking like, is this too heavy? Is anyone going to want to listen to this? You know, is this just like, is this going to heal or act as, you know, have some part in healing somebody else? Or is it just a big, big old downer, you know? Um, but I, I definitely had both. And, it, and, you know, even still sometimes feel that way. The subject matter, while just for our listeners, while the subject matter is heavy, um, the songs are just so beautifully written and your voice is amazing. And the production of the recording, like the sound of it, is very warm. Um, there's just a nice tone to the album that perfectly threads the heavy subject matter, but there's still kind of a groove um, and almost like a, a reverb sound to it that's very warm and enveloping, um, which allows the listener, in my opinion, to get lost in the stories um, and to have that moment. And it's probably something that you might want to have in private, um, your own moment to listen to these songs um, and the subject matter um, so that you can maneuver your own feelings through the storytelling. Uh, but the sound of the record is so warm that it doesn't weigh, the subject matter isn't weighed down due to the heavy topics, you know, because I think there's a, a certain warmness and invite invitingness to uh, the production. Talk to me about recording and um, producing the actual record. It was one of the most fulfilling experiences of my life. Like, I remember, I knew I I knew that the subject matter could lend itself to my album, just kind of being sleepy singer songwriter, and that was kind of my guiding force. I don't want to make a sleepy singer songwriter record. I want to, you know, make it, make these songs fun to listen to. And then also you're going to, you know, be thinking about things that maybe you should be thinking about, like, you know, looking inward, relating to, to someone else's story, all of that. Um, but I, I found my producer, um, Teddy Morgan at a writer's round that I did and um, where I played Pretty and Daddy's Disappointment, and he loved my music, and so basically he and I teamed up to, we did most of, um, we recorded most of the record ourselves. We spent like six, seven months getting together two or three times a week, and you know, laying down acoustic tracks and then kind of letting the song tell us what 
letting the songs tell us what they needed each each and every one of them and we we took our time with with all of them and and um yeah experimented a lot you know added took away um it was just such a fun experience making and it's exactly what I wanted it to be, even though I had I didn't know exactly how to articulate that whenever we were in pre-production. It's just got a really nice sound to it, and there's just like a... I don't... It's not a groove, but there's a, a certain kind of looseness to it that just allows you to kind of get lost in the, the storytelling. Um, it's just a stunning, stunning record. And then once you get past just the sound of it, you get lost in like the lyrical content, which you tackle so many heavy, heavy issues, um, especially on the, the LGBTQ side of things and balancing being gay and dealing with, you know, rigid uh, religion adherence. Um, and, you know, suicide is a huge uh, factor for many LGBTQ uh, people. Um, unfortunately, it's a very sad statistic. And there's a song, um, Somebody Else's Dress. How do you so meticulously thread that needle between being an LGBTQ supporter, but also writing about religion and how that impacts that community? Mm. Wow. I think it's, you know, somebody else's dress was my friend's life, one of my really dear friends. So I think just walking with people that are experiencing it and have, you know, having grown up religious. And, you know, I remember whenever I was younger, I just learned, oh, it's a choice. I mean, that was just what was, that's what that's all I was told and it was wrong and it was a choice and you know, you can, you just choose to do the right thing. Uh, so I went from that, then I went to college, you know, and, and, uh, had gay friends and, you know, had friends come out in college and had people come out after high school that I, you know, thought were that, and it's just kind of like you, it becomes less of a me versus not even verses, but you know what I mean? You, you see it, it's real, your people, you know, dealing with this pain and then reconciling that with the rigidity of right and wrong that, um, you've experienced or that I, you know, that I was experiencing in my faith. So I think like just watching and walking with friends who also grew up religious and were gay and then like just trying to figure out what is the heart of this message that I think many, many Christians abuse. So it's kind of like, you know, observing other people's experiences, walking through it with them. And then me making sense of like, what did I believe or what, you know, what did I grow up believing? Yeah. There's just that particular song really hits home for me. And, um, it just, it's almost like you opened a window into my life and through song, it um, just, my my history with um, coming out in a 
religious household. Um, and it's something that we still, uh, I talk to many people who still deal with that. Um, and being um, kind of adhering to your religion, but also, you know, being told that who you are is wrong um, and trying to um, find some sort of peace within that um, and getting through it um, to be who you are wholly and completely. You know what I mean? Um, It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Another song that you've got on here, which was actually named one of the best songs of 2020 by NPR's Joy of Jesus. What is it about religion um, and writing about religion and, and sometimes the hypocrisy in it that draws you to that, to that subject matter? Um, I think because I felt so much anxiety around, I, I felt so much anxiety around my faith, you know, um, I, for joy of Jesus in particular, I remember it, the anxiety around faith kind of started in, in middle school and it really wasn't my parents. It wasn't, it was kind of like how I'm naturally wired. I, I'm very, if my spirit wants to be gray and nuanced, but my mind wants black and white, wants, it wants rigidity. And um, so, you know, I remember going to church camp and people seeming to have this like experience with God that I wasn't having. And then I remember articulating to camp counselors, you know, I, I feel like having a relationship, like a relationship with God feels abstract to me. And then basically she told me, well, read your Bible. And so then all I would do is read. I always felt this lack I always felt like I didn't have this thing that so many other people seem to have. And I kept hearing about, you know, if you're worrying, then you don't, uh, uh, don't worry because God doesn't want you to worry. And then I thought, well, I'm worrying all the time, so I must not really have God. And so for me, religion was this rabbit hole of anxiety. And so then like becoming an adult and seeing and thinking and actually giving myself a little bit of slack and, and I guess allowing myself to even question it. That started whenever I was about 30, um, 29, 30, I started actually questioning my faith. I finally let myself do it. And in doing so, let myself see the hypocrisy. So it's like me, I guess I'm drawn to that kind of subject because like it's been part of my healing journey with my own experience with religion and it's helpful. I mean, that sounds weird for me to say it's helpful, but just to know that other people have experienced it too, you know, even though like we, so many different people have experienced different kinds of pain at the hands of the church. Well, if you want to know more uh, and to hear these stories, uh, there's 10 beautiful tracks available on the new album, Autonomy, by Stephanie Lambring. It's a stunning record, and I highly recommend uh, taking a listen. Can we hear one more song from you, Stephanie? Of course. Thanks for having me today. Thank you.
every night she begs for a husband One man who will fix the malfunction She dreams up his name, what's she gonna say? And he sweeps her off her feet But even if the peace fits, what happens if it doesn't? Every morning she puts on her makeup She sings there is power in the name of Jesus She prays, please take this away I know you don't make mistakes I'll do anything to make love like I'm Everybody's trying to speculate what Jesus never said. She tries to walk the straight and narrow in somebody else's dress. She's got a girl in Indiana and a Bible by her bed. Daddy says he's got the solution. change of heart if he knew his baby daughter was one of those sickos sometimes Christians ain't too Christian she's got a girl in Indiana and a Bible by her bed everybody's trying to speculate what Jesus never said to walk the street and narrow in somebody else's dress. She's got a girl in Indiana and a Bible by her bed. There's a bridge runs over 440. Sometimes she walks out, says, What you got for me? Nowhere to go but down, no other way but out. Lord, help me now. Two hands on the rail, sad story. Stephanie Lambring, live with WYCE. The new album, Autonomy, is out now. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Shane.